welcome to the Six Again podcast, your new destination for all things NRL. Here to bring you everything from team news to best bets are your hosts, Adam Hoy and Jared Mutton. Let's kick off. Okay, welcome into a pretty special episode of the Six Again podcast. Um, sitting here in Sunny's a disgusting combo of button, shirt and tie. My name's Adam. My name's Jared and Adam messaged me about 10 minutes ago about the idea of the shirt and tie and considering I wear that at work all day, not happening at home. Yeah, it's But fun. Adam looks really good if anyone wants to go on the YouTube channel. Oh yeah, I'll make sure this one actually gets up on time for once. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I get to wear this shirt every now and then if I've got just science all day, but PE practice doesn't really work. Uh, the, the, the reason for it is tonight is Dally M night and we're actually recording while the Dally M's are on live. Uh, we're going to be throwing up our selections for each position as well as coach of the year and rookie of the year. And then obviously Dally M of the year as well. Um, well, the rookie of the year has already been done. Yes. Yeah, so I was just going to cover. So, I had to check out what the voting process actually is for the team of the year outside of the Dally M. And I still haven't been able to find out who actually selects coach of the year. But uh, so how the Dally M works, it's the NRL broadcasters. So sometimes it's Fox Sports, sometimes it's Channel 9, sometimes it's Grandstand Radio. But someone is, a judge is selected for every game. They pick three, two, one, three points going to the best player on the field, then two, then one. Everyone outside of that category, the best person in that position gets one point. So say in a game, um, the halfback of one team got three, the fullback got two, and one of the props got one. All the other positions that weren't selected in that, like the wing, the hooker, the center, um, that judge picks whoever was the best on either team and they get one point. And that adds up to uh, the team of the year or the positions of the year. So... That's pretty much it. Um, not sure about rookie or coach of the year. It's actually pretty hard to find any of that online. But uh, who was your rookie of the year for 2020, Jared? Great. I think, yeah, I think this one was um, was a bit of a runaway, even though they only won one of their last seven games when he was playing. Harry Grant was quite obviously the standout rookie for both of us and was voted. Um, I had him as the NRL selection that, is who was selected. Uh, other than I, I, I also have him as hooker of the year too. Oh wow! Okay, well, um, we'll definitely get to the well, position awards. It's not that far off. Like, yeah, Smith's always in the conversation. Friend was injured the whole season. We'll get to a hooker. Settle down. Yeah, uh, no, I don't see how it's not really. But, I was just yeah. looking at other rookies that could have been in consideration. Um, Alicia Katoa was really good when he was on the field, but unfortunately he was injured and suspended for a couple. Um, Patrick Carrigan, was this his rookie year? No. No, okay. Cool. I was just double-checking. He just flies under the radar. Um, some of the other people they had up there for rookie of the year as well. Uh, let's just bring him up here. Yeah, he, he, he was by far the most... I don't know. I'd say dominant, consistent hooker. Um, especially considering he only had like a month to train with the Tigers. 
when that That's trade came through. And then he had all so, the media of the um, yeah the trade pretty much all season long as well. Yeah. So, um, look, I don't think many people can argue with Smith gets it, but I don't think I think a lot more people would be happy if um, Grant got it. So for our first one, yeah. So we both had. Harry Grant is our rookies of the year and, and was so selected, but I feel as though, yeah, quite a lot of those hours are going to be quite different, I would assume. Um, second, well, the first positional award that's come up already tonight, and we're just playing a little bit of catch up here, um, was prop of the year. And this is the first uh, positional award where they're actually picking two players in the position so you get two props of the year uh now i i tossed and i threw a few names around with this um but i actually ended up settling on who i think will be the queensland starting well not starting front row but two of the queensland front rowers for me uh, my props of the year were fodder waker and papali um, I know Fodawaka missed a couple of weeks with injury, but just what he's brought to the Titans in only his second year, first full year, really. I found that he improved by leaps and bounds and Papali just threw in his solid uh, solid efforts every week. I, I picked the NRL as picking Papali and Junior Paulo. I think uh, Paulo had an outstanding year as well and I could definitely see the, the votes going his way. Who did you have as your props of the year, Jared? Papali was the easy choice. Mm-hmm. He's been the best prop the last couple of years. Um, I, I went Paulo. Not so much for the back end of the year, but for the start of the year. He was the most dominant prop with his offloads and all that. So, yeah, I got I did pick the same as I picked Paulo and Papali. I didn't right. see anyone else. There's an argument for Fisher-Harris, but I don't like Penrith, so... Okay, so the NRL uh, Dalian props of the year for 2020 were Josh Papali and James Fisher Harris. So we can give ourselves, uh, well, I guess I'm, I'm going to do a score. So we both got Harry Grant for rookie um, with our selections. I'm, going to, I'm not going to count the ones that we thought were going to get picked by the NRL. Um, so Papali and James Fisher Harris, which is funny because earlier this year I said he's better at lock, but anyway, uh, shows what. Yeah, you got to pop it now. Yeah, from Beetle, bloody hell! I'm surprised um, you haven't even got a me- you haven't already got a message to be honest. No, uh, he won't be watching it. So obviously Fisher Harris, I'm not going to say he's overlooked in the Penrith side. Everyone knows his value to the Penrith side. But he's not flashy. He, he just gets through. He does his work. He might not have the... Um, I believe he's got the explosivity. We just don't see it as often um, that Papali has. But he's definitely not underrated anymore. But I still don't hear him being thrown around really for the New South Wales team. And he is built for origin, in my opinion. Um, so that's kind of one and a half for two. And the other award that they've already done positionally is the NRL second rowers of the year. And I found this one probably the hardest to pin down. Oh, sorry. We're going to jump in here. They're about to do coach of the year. Um, oh, who'd you pick? So I had Ivan Cleary. Uh, their nominations were so far, they've said 
Todd Payton. They're just going through his highlights and obviously what Todd Payton's done for the Warriors this year has been extraordinary. <laughs> that, that would be pretty cool if, the, if a standing coach became the coach of the year. Yeah, uh, Craig Bellamy's the second nomination. Had to be. Um, the grand final. Yeah, of course. Like To me, the, the team that gets to the grand final, the coaches of that have to be in there. Like You've got your team to the grand final. It's the point of the season. Uh, Justin Holbrook is the third nomination. Definitely, mm. I think that's a great nomination. I think that's great. Uh, what's the word? Well-deserved. Yeah, very well-deserved for what he's done. You've seen over time the Titans culture shift through the year. And Ivan Cleary is the fourth nomination here. Um, the reason why I've had him as my selection is we've said it a number of times on the podcast this year. Penrith have talent. I underestimated the talent of some of their players based off what we've seen this year. And the way that he's got this team to gel and not be pushed around by anything really and get them to the grand final is to me the best coaching performance of the season. Um, especially when you look at who they've beaten in the finals so far in the Roosters and then the Rabbitohs. And the winner is Ivan Cleary. Okay. So that, yeah. that was probably one that of the easiest selections going to be. Night. Yeah. I, I do. I got to admit, um, I had three of those four nominations as my coach of the year. I also had Ricky Stewart based on some of the adversity around the uh, John Bateman, uh, Josh Hodson being injured, uh, Curtis Scott stuff going on in the media, the amount of travel they had to do at the start of the year. I think he did a really good job putting everything on him and, and allowing the players to do their their job. But you can't take anything away from Ivan Cleary and what he's achieved with Penrith this year. Yeah, I, he was always going to get it. Um, any, any coach that has a 17-in-a-row record in the NRL... Yeah, the odds on favourite. Odds on favourite. Uh, so well done, Ivan Clear. It's the first uh, player slash coach award to go to Penrith. And um, sorry, second one with James Fisher Harris, of course. Uh, and I would assume that they'll be getting a few more. So back to our second rowers, that award's already been nominated. I found this the hardest position to pick. Um, I honestly only saw one second rower who kept their high standard the entire season and then i had about five or six others who reached really high points but didn't keep it there for the entirety of the season yeah. so i'm throwing in like uh your ryan madison's your viliami kickouts your um uh names bloody escaping me now felice kafusi um those sort of guys who had good periods um, but didn't keep it there. I had Toru Harris as a lock. I thought his achievements all year and performances all year were uh, top-notch and didn't let the Warriors down at any point um, for one. And I ended up going with uh, Kikau based only on the impact he brings in both offense and defense. And yeah, I think he found more consistency this year than previous, but he's still got more to find. Yeah, I went Bateman and Kickout. Yeah, okay. Even though Bateman Bateman's... missed half the year? Sorry? Even though Bateman missed like half the year? Yeah, I'm, to be honest, he, he could have gathered those points 
in that time. He for Canberra, he was a standout a lot. Yeah, that's true. Um, he he was this super consistent. Um, he's not overly built as a lot of second rolls are these days. If you understand that, like second rolls are a bit more rangier, a bit taller, some of them are lower to the ground. Mm-hmm. But he, he's just he, he's awkward looking. But for some reason, the NRL, the players who don't look like a standard NRL player do reasonably well, a.k.a. Cam Smith. Like, he looks a bit strange. But Bateman, yeah, all right. But uh, Toe Harris got it and Kikau got it. So Kikau, Kikau's a walk-in. Um, he's easily the best player at Penrith. Uh, every time he gets the ball, everyone kind of stands up because they feel like he's going to run however long. But as I said... I think it was last week. Everyone loves his attack. His defense is so underrated. Yeah. He's such a good defender, which um, <clears throat> it's good because he's not resting on his laurels as far as his attack. You see a lot of people, and I'm looking at you, Leilua. Um, <laughs> all they do is attack, which is fantastic, but when you can't defend, you're going to get found out pretty quickly in a row, and he's not someone who's going to be a weak link in any team he plays for. Oh, I like your p- point on when Kikau gets the ball, everyone stands up. And when you get to that point of your career as a player where people are changing their behaviours when you're on the field and have the ball, it's like um, you're starting to get into that top echelon sort of category. And it, it can be challenging to improve your game year on year um, when you get to that. But what I was really impressed with Kikau this year is his subtle changes in his lines. Um your younger second rows, they'll change the angle on their line two, three metres before the defensive line, which is too early. He's really improved his subtle footwork right near the line. That late change that you don't have time to shift for. Uh, Matt Gillette was amazing at it. Josh Jackson was better at it early in his career. Um, <laughs> Sean Lane's actually quite good at it for a, a big sort of gummy looking dude. But that doesn't allow the defence time then to change. So, And I think this is the most positions i've got in an entire night and it's only been two so i quit um go home then pretty much um so we've got just a recap they just had a leadership leaderboard up there after round 15 um for the dalian they're just doing highlights of round 16 at the moment so as it stood uh going into round 16 uh clint gutherson was leading um from Parramatta. Uh, on 15 points and others on the board included Nathan Cleary, uh, Harry Grant um, and Ryan Pappenhausen was just starting to make his run. So round 16, they usually do the highlights of the players who are about to get points and they're about to give us the updated order we here. Are, oh, should we be predicting our Dalian winner now? Yeah, probably should be, eh? Considering. Yeah. So who, who's your pick? Who's my pick? Yeah, my yeah. pick is um, Tedesco. I feel as though, to me, he was the best player again this year, two years in a row. And what kind of underlined that was their first, their qualifying loss to uh, Penrith, where he did everything, and <laughs> then. Um, their qualifying loss to the Raiders. Again, what did he score? A double? Um, yeah. You take him out 
of that Roosters team, even with the talent that the Roosters have, he's the glue, the gel that makes that entire machine work. That's with conversion. That's 12 points off their score in the, uh, their elimination round. And his influence over that whole team is it's almost getting taken for granted now, but to me, he had the best overall year as a player. Um, I, I think Cleary is going to get it and you can't take anything against him because he has the same or a similar impact on Penrith. But I do feel with the emergence of Jerome Luai this year, who took more responsibility on, I wouldn't say diminished Cleary's role, but they weren't as reliant on him as they usually, or as they were last year even. So yeah, I have Tedesco as my Deli M, but I believe that they'll go with Cleary. I've gone someone completely different from both of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, just to <laughs> line Penrith up with another premiership, Nathan Cleary's had 99 games, so his 100th will be the grand final. Bloody hell. I want to smoke it in there by saying Jack, Jack Wyden's going to get Deli M. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. I fully see that. Um, I reckon he's bigger, he's stronger, and he's faster this year. And he's, this is his second year at 5'8". He's learned her properly, and obviously that means he's going to get 5'8 for the year. Is it only his second year as 5'8"? Yep. Yeah, because... Yeah, last year was Ponga, when, because they switched at the same time. And, um, yeah, so... Um, I'm, I'm gunning on Wyden. Um, he's close to probably the best 5'8 in the comp. Um, the only reason he's not playing 5'8, probably won't play for 5'8 for New South Wales, is because it's a choice between him and Kiri. And Kiri can't play any other positions where Jack Wyden could play everywhere in the back line. This is true. Um so, and that's what's so good about it. He's one of the best five apes in, in the world right now. But if he played any other position in that back line, you'd be like, shit, Jack Wyden's yeah. just in the team. That's true. He's, so, he, he's come on. Like, I remember him switching from fullback to five eight, well, from center to fullback to five eight, or fullback to center to five eight, whichever way he went. Um, I didn't see him making it as a five eight outside the fact that he was big, strong and could run. But he's added a pass. He's added a kicking game. He's even added line running as well, which has been quite a bit to do for his age in that so position. That, that's the thing. Like, this year, Kiri's got a question mark over him about his head playing Origin because he's yeah. so, he is so lightweight. But if, if, if anyone's cheering if Kiri doesn't play, you can't just... Throw yeah. Jack White in the kind six of just, for New South Wales, and you're like, Fuck. the only downside of that is center's the only position they're kind of struggling in. If that makes any sense, that but that's used to remind me of. Um... Can I just jump in real quick? Just the update on the end of round sixteen: Cleary on twenty-one, Whiten on twenty, uh, my man Tedesco on fifteen. Yeah. Okay. So it kind of reminds me of I remember me and Adam went to watch Australia versus South Africa in the cricket one year and New South Wales team reminds me of the old South African team. We had Graham Smith, Dean Elgar, AB de Villiers, Jarf Callis and Faf Tupacli. Hamish Amlai so, as well. 
Yeah, half team man. Oh, sorry, half team man. Then was free. So it's kind of like every time we got a wicket, yes, we got a wicket. Oh shit! Look who comes in next. Yeah. And that's what kind of like New South Wales are in because they're like, oh yeah, someone's injured. Oh shit! Someone else is in. I do feel yeah. I do see a center on both sides as being the big weakness, but um, as a as we're kind of like in a break between the awards here, um, I find it quite odd that there's very little in the way out there media wise that, sorry, how the voting is done for things like Dalian, uh, sorry, for rookie of the year, for coach of the year, um, for Ken Stevens medal, that sort of stuff. I, I like it when it's a bit more, um, transparent you you know who's doing the voting like we know for the dallium it's the broadcasters uh the commentators etc etc i i'd like to know more of who does the voting behind the other thing is that the coaches voting for each other um i know that there's a players player award where the players vote on who they believe has been the best player for the season um etc i i would like a little bit more around that but we didn't get to talk about it much last time. We mentioned it. How do you, what are your thoughts with regards to the changes of them picking an entire one to 13 rather than like one? You don't? Nah. How can you be the best second row of the year if there's another guy standing right next to you? Oh, I get that argument, but. You I, can't I look be at the it. best second row of the team or the comp if there's a guy. No, I think you can because. The guys today, how they play, because it's so structured, etc. I know they say if you're a left side, you should be able to play right side. And you can, obviously, but it still takes a game, two games to get used to your angles and that. When we pick an Australian side, we're looking for the best 13 in Australia. I think this is going to be the first time where we see, from a professional's um, point of view, who the best 13 players in the country are not just based on fans' opinion or one coach's opinion, the Australian coach. I think this is going to create a a little bit more spotlight for players who... Oh, no, you can sometimes feel out uh, like... Uh, I'm not going to say hard done by if you're the second best or second highest voter, but we've had a tie in the Dally M's before. Um, who's to say there can't be a tie for second or, or prop or Oh, no, whatever. I, I get that. And if there is a tie, give it the two. But there's no... You can't say you're the best if there's another guy sitting next to you. Yeah, but it's also a two-person this isn't, this isn't. This isn't like giving people awards for fun. It's the best player in the NRL. Yeah. And you're the best player in that position in the NRL. But it's a two-person position. That's my argument there. No, on the field it is, but you can have a better second role in individual efforts. You can. Like, I get. You, I I look at it though. Like, if you've got a, the best hooker, that's going to make a bigger impact than one of the best second rowers and a not so good one. Oh yeah, but that's just different. More more positions on the field. That's individual like, positions. Yeah, and. Just because it's a more influential position doesn't take away the fact that. Oh, here um, we go. What? Oh, what? they just threw it up there. What? 
What is it? Sorry, they're going on to wingers. Um, ah. But they just said who it is. They're not doing the nominations. Who is it? Uh, I'm not going to tell you because I just saw who it was. Um, oh, no, maybe they are. I oh, know they're not. This is a shit podcast. <laughs> oh, they're just outlining. They're just putting the wingers and the centers straight out there. Okay. So for my wingers, I pick Nolfaluma and Nick Kotrick. And oh crap, I didn't write down what? the center. Oh man. Yours and mine are gonna be so off here. All right. Oh, so- I didn't write down a center. For this, yeah, for the centre and wingers, what they're doing, they're just um, putting the winners up. They're not doing the nominations at all. So we have to do the wingers and the centres at the same time. Um, they've announced one winger. They've announced two centres. I'm just waiting for the other winger here. All right. So who are your, let's say, your wings? You said Norfoluma and... Kotrick. Kotrick. Oh, yeah, I had Norfoluma um, and then I had... Uh, Brett Morris. Um, I had him as the best, not just because of his attacking, but his defensive brilliance. And he played pretty much the entirety of the season and picked up a hell of a lot of slack. uh, Flack, sorry. He picked up a lot of the slack for a team where some wingers in the comp don't actually um, do it as consistently. I who do you have as so we both went north for Luma. Who do you have as who you'd think the NRL were gonna select? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, they're I going, honestly they're think that the NRL are gonna pick Norfoluma and Kotrick. They're the most dominant slingers in the comp. Oh yeah. I had um I didn't actually see the NRL picking Norfoluma. Um they did. Norfoluma was selected as one of the centers uh, as one of the wingers and the other selection i had that i thought the nrl would pick would be josh adokar um and their other winger was josh adokar so the nrl wingers for 2020 as chosen for the daily m team of the year were josh adokar and david norfoluma who are also my selections for new south wales wingers of the year so wingers for their squad now this one's going to throw up a bit of a bolt so Josh Adokar just writing that one down and North Luma. So I got them one and a half right. Senators, who'd you have? I had Manu and I couldn't think of anyone else. Yeah, I found this Actually, one. Actually, no. Sorry. No, I'm going to go Olam. Yeah, I thought about him, eh? I really did. Um, I probably had him third. I found this one very similar to the second row. There wasn't someone who stood out the entire season for me. I ended up going with a kid who made massive leaps and bounds in a really bad team and had them on their back, on his back, which was Dags. Zach Lomax. No, oh. Zach Lomax. I was going to have Stags, but he missed a bit of time. Um, Zach Lomax. And I went with Josh, Josh Morris. So I went with an all Morris center wing pairing. Um, I thought that the experts would pick Josh Morris and... Joseph Manu, and I was wrong on both accounts. Uh, Who did they pick? The Dalian centers of the year were Katoni Staggs and Stephen Crichton. Yuck. I I had Crichton in my conversation as Rookie of the Year with Harry Grant. I don't think he did enough 
consistently individually to warrant the out and out center. Um, Katoni Staggs did, I'd say, as much, if not more, than him in a worse team. Not taking anything away from Crichton for a rookie year, you can't really ask much more for an outside back. But I was just maybe looking for a bit more consistency as opposed to just X factor. Uh, but I can't really knock them for their decision because I'd say the majority of fans would want him in their team if they could have the choice. Well, there we are. Just having a look at that back line so far. So you've got New South Wales, New South Wales, New South Wales, New South Wales for wingers and centres. Um, you can't deny it. You can't deny it. So that's kind of what we've got going so far. So I'm guessing the next selection that they'll be putting forward will be their fullback of the year. Okay. This I got... is hard doing a live show when stuff's going on. Bloody hell. Especially when we don't know how they're going to announce it. They're just going through the NRLW player of the year. And the only reason we're not putting a nomination up for that is due to respect for the women. I didn't watch enough of the game this year to give a fair selection. Um, adding on the fact that there's been a fair few injuries as well to uh, some of the key players and uh, for the team and for the comp. I wouldn't be able to give a an uh, yeah, an honest I didn't opinion. Watch it. I watched um, a couple here and there, but not not enough consistently. I really do enjoy my, watching it. My fullback of the year was Roger Tuivasa-Shek. Really? Yeah, he. Despite the fact that Warriors are stupid and use him as a pack horse the entire game, he's still absolutely brilliant. Oh, Carrie Brinshaw got it for the women's. So, I still got RTS in it, but in saying that too, there's what seven fullbacks you got to pick. Obviously, Tedesco, Ponga, well, not Travojevic, Pappenhausen would be up there. Gutherson, um, Charles Nickel, Clockstad. Mm. There's a, there's a lot of lot of fullbacks. Tell you what, next year AJ Brimson, if he stays in, you'll be pushing oh, for a spot. So I went, well, obviously, I'm giving Tedesco my Dally M, so I've got to give him my fullback. I think NRL is going to pick Tedesco as well. I just have a look at this one. It's such a strong position right now. You take this player out, how much does that side lose? All those players you mentioned, the team's going to lose quite a bit. I look at Melbourne, you take Pappenhausen in, you can put Nico Hines in. Not going to do as good a job. Obviously, he's not as experienced, but they can almost kind of cover that. Um, Two of Arsashek would be probably the next biggest loss, I'd say, after Tedesco in, in the team. Um, followed, very closely followed by Charles Nickel Klockstad, what he's brought to Canberra. I know at the Roosters, Brett Morris could play fullback, but while he brings stability and safety, he doesn't bring the blinding speed and the, the points, I think, as a creator that Tedesco brings to those Roosters. So I had him as my fullback of the year and I believe he's improved even more so his defensive positioning and not that it was bad to start with but there was times where he'd get to the end of plays late I feel as though his timing's better this year there's not much more he can improve on maybe outside of stuff that we don't see communication wise we always heard people talking about Billy Slater and how good he was at his communication uh, same with Cooper Cronk, those sort of players. You don't hear a lot about James Tedesco doing that just yet. Um, that might be the the last maybe piece of his pretty, <laughs> pretty complete puzzle. 
Yeah. All right. So going through, so I said Brigham Shaw from the Broncos there got NRLW Player of the Year, and they're just heading to break, so we've got a little bit of time. Jared and I went to. No. If you caught that. Yeah. Yeah. So. While we've got a bit of a break, we are also going to do a review of. Oh, maybe we should do the review of the games after the awards are finished, and we can just do the. Um, other news in between, eh? Okay. Probably makes sense. So, State of Origin call-ups? Yeah. So, there's pretty... There's no surprises in the New South Wales squad as far as that. Nope. Um, who'd they bring up? I can't even remember now. Cody Walker. Uh, Damien Cook. Yeah. Um, Angus Crichton. No, Angus Crichton got. Oh, that was the week time. before. Who was it? There was one more from the Rabbitohs. Oh, um, Cam Murray. Cam Murray. That's the one I was trying to think of. And then obviously from the Raiders, we had Jack Wyden and Nick Cotrick. So yeah. another uh, non-selection for Jared Croker from Canberra. Um, I feel kind of actually like we both chant for Jared Croker. This was a down year for him. Um, considering how far Canberra went, I didn't feel as though he had as big an impact as he has done in previous years. Yeah, I there's still been want other... him to play. Yeah, I know. There's, but I think there's been other years where his selection was more warranted than this year, especially for someone who's not an incub- incumbent player. Looking at the players they've drafted in, Damian Cook, uh, you'd assume... That they're going to bring in Coruscant as well for some competition. Cam Murray, uh, Jack White, and Nick Kotrick. So Jack White is an incumbent, um, as is Cam Murray. Nick Kotrick has been in and and dropped, so it's going to be interesting to see whether he does get up, get a slot. I, with the concerns maybe around. Well, we know that there's one center spot open, whether Kotrick comes into that one to a, and have Jack White in the other. Maybe, but there's, there's a position he'll be fighting for there. And the recent sort of talk around, and Brad Fittler's not doing anything to squash this at all, is that Cody Walker's on equal footing, if not slightly in front of Kiri for the starting 5'8 position. I, I don't understand that. Oh, I can. Oh. It's... He, Kiri's been playing good all year. Cody Walker's only done stuff the last four weeks. Which I'd say is Kiri's worst period of the year. So? Just because he had one bad period doesn't take out another, what, 17 games of quality compared to Cody Walker who probably played, what, five quality games all year? No, it doesn't. But it's also heading into this time of the year where you want your players playing the best. Um with with the, how it stands this season, I know it's different to any other season. Oh, I don't think New South Wales, whoever they pick out of White and Walker or Kiri, um, they've all got strengths and weaknesses. They're all good Origin level players. Um, yeah, no. Oh, well, it's a horrible Kiri in a fourteen jersey. Uh, not Kiri, um, Walker. Walker. Yes, yeah, right. But I would. I would much prefer to see Coruscant in the 14 jersey and 
have him come on at hooker and have Cook come on just as a tackling speed around the ruck. Yeah, that yeah. seems a lot more dangerous to me. Yeah. The only thing is the versatility there, but then you got players like Angus Crichton um, who can play in the centres, who can play everywhere. You know, you've you, you got a lot of versatility in New South Wales team where you can have a specialist hooker coming in for Damien Cook. Yeah, this is true. So I that's it- where I see. But at this point in time, there's no use in... Um, you know, trying to argue with Freddie Fittler because he's got a weird way of doing things. Um, I think he's going to love it this year. Yeah. Fittler's, Fittler's relishing this shit this year just because of the fact that who's who's he up against in the coaching coaching arena? He's up against everyone. Yeah. It's great. And he'll be sitting there having a big old giggle about it. He'll be loving it. Yeah, hey, I'm just looking at his comments like when he's asked about Walker. He's like, yeah, Cody Walker, he's been awesome. Absolutely awesome. Uh, gave the Raps every chance and nearly got away with it in the end. So, yeah, no, he he, 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 he got he, Ooh, wait, like, wait, had so a crack leaderboard after round 19. So, only one round to go. Whiten in front on 26, followed by Gutherson on 25, Keary on 24, Cam Smith on 22. So, going into one more round, the only players that can win are being Cleary, Gutherson, or Whiten. <laughs> so there goes, to, there goes Teddy. So it's your pick and my pick. Um, you picked yeah, Tedesco. No, no, no. My my pick. Oh yeah, I I had Tedesco as my best player, but the person I picked for Dalian, who I think will actually get it, was Cleary. Yeah, but my the person I thought had the best, he ended up like tenth or so. Um. Yeah, there's not no. No new news with regards to Queensland, as there was no players uh, in the <laughs> Rabbitohs. Normally. They better hurry up, though. No, there well, was. actually, Jaden Sewer. Gay guy. And gay guy, but nothing is actually... Uh, no, they haven't released anything. They haven't anyone. released anything. Um, Queensland's usually a day later, but in saying that, no, I but... still think it'd be... You'd assume Jaden Sewer. You'd assume Dane Gay guy. I'm hoping to see... Uh, I'm hoping to see Corey Allen. Oh, I forgot that. Jack Whiten was rested in round 20. So he's not going to get any points, even though he's got a one-point lead. Um, yeah, I'm hoping to see Corey Allen get picked up in the Queensland team. I haven't heard a lot of buzz around him. He's not on any of the voting boards, but that doesn't really matter. Fox Sports have their own agenda. Um On the Raiders side, obviously, Papali. Um, yep. <laughs> All right. So, that means... Okay. So, they're leaving because they've done everything but 5-8th and halfback. They haven't done fullback. Oh, that's why they left Gufferson, the Gufferson there because he's the last three. So, that's why they're leaving that. Oh no, they've so, got they've got a they've got a couch in here with all the um it's got Jack White and sitting on it, Cleary, uh, Luke Keary, Tedesco, Gutherson, all the players that were on the leaderboard, I think, before doors shut. Yeah, but I'm saying the next person who gets named, mm. so whatever position gets named next, they won't win. Because they've got a half, 
They've got a fullback and they've oh, got a fullback. I see what you're saying. So they haven't, they haven't three. announced, they haven't announced lock yet. They haven't announced hooker. Um, yeah, well, lock, lock will be. Uh, Let's go through uh, our you, selections for those, eh? All right. So I've got lock. I've got Tarpany. Oh, yeah. Very um, cool. All right. I reckon he's improved his game a hell of a lot. I've got a very Canberra focused squad here. For a team I just realized I've got. Tarpany, Papali, Whiten, and Kotrick. That's four out of 13, which is very surprising for me. But I reckon they've all been playing really well this year. Um, for Hooker, I've already said that I got Grant in my squad. Yeah. Fullback, I already said RTS. And 5'8 and halfback. Um, I've got Whiten at 5'8, obviously. And Cleary at halfback. All right, so I agree with you with the um, five eights. I had Whiten as my pick. I think they're going to go with Kiri, but I had Whiten. My lock of the year, and I hate to say it, because I reckon he's a better second row, was Isaiah Yo is who I believe they will select. <laughs> I went with Patrick Carrigan. I think he was the best lock um, for that, literally that position, locking everything down on such a horribly defensive <sighs> Just tremendously bad defensive team. Patrick Carrigan was an outstanding player for the Broncos this year. To me, he was my lock of the year, but I believe the NRL are going to go with Isaiah Yo. Um, and you can't begrudge him of that. I had Cam Smith as my hooker. I believe he'll get it as well. I had White, and I believe they'll go Cleary. I had Cleary. They'll go Cleary. And then Tedesco, Tedesco. So they're just, oh, sorry. They're just going through the rest of the Ford pack here. So Dallium lock of the year for 2020 is throw on a little bit of a oh there's a bit of a throw uh, Isaiah Yo is oh. lock of the year got that one boom not the not who I had but who and I had the NRL picking um, hooker of the year was Cameron Smith boom nah. got that fullback of the year Clint Gutherson. Wow. So he's not going to get named Dallian. No. And 5 8 of the year, Jack Whiten. That's a good Damn selection. Damn it. Cleary's got half back. Cleary's got a Dallian. Yeah. Well, you could kind of, There we go. I'm glad I'm glad Whiten got Dallian 5 8. I, I'm with you. I believe he was the best 5 8 this year over Luke Cleary. Um, I'll wait on there announcing. And half back of the year is Nathan Cleary. That means he got the Dally M. Why? Fuck. They just announced them all at the same time. I reckon Cleary's going to get Dally M now. Well, oh, man, I almost picked their whole team. So I didn't have Gutherson at fullback. I had one of the wingers, none of the centers. 5-8. No, I didn't have... I thought they were going to go Kiri. Oh, it looks like New South Wales, New South Wales, New South Wales, Queensland, New South Wales. So team of the year, there are a lot of Penrith jerseys there. That's a pretty good team, though. Literally, like I wouldn't. I'd say that the some of those guys are pretty much locked for the next couple of years. But there's some obvious. There's some form um, form selections there. So the NRL 2020 Dallium Team of the Year: Clint Gutherson at fullback, Josh Adokar and David Norfoluma on the wings, Katoni Sag, Stephen Crichton in the centres, with Jack Whiten and Nathan Cleary in the halves. Josh Papali and James Fisher-Harris at prop with Cameron Smith at hooker. 
Biliami Kikantoru Harris in the second row with Isaiah Yo at lock. With coach Ivan Cleary. And you'd say Harry Grant on the bench as rookie of the year. So an entire New South Wales team outside of Josh Papali and Cameron Smith uh, gives you an idea of how Origin is looking this year. So they're just <laughs> the only award not announced yet is the Dally M. Jack Whiten is leading on 26. We know he didn't play in round 20. Clint Gutherson's on 25 and Nathan Cleary's on 24. Okay, how did those two plays go in the last game of the year? Well, they're just doing the points for the last round. Panthers won 42-0. And the yes. points, the points, Nathan Cleary did not receive any points in that game. Yes! Um, West Tigers versus Eels. Clint Gutherson scored. Luke Brook got one point. Junior Paulo got two points. Doesn't matter because Clint Gutherson has already got the Daly M medal by the look of that. Nathan no. Three. No, sorry. No. Clint Gutherson didn't get any points. So oh. your winner of the Daly M 2020, even though he didn't play in round 20, is Jack Whiten on 26 <laughs> points. That's awesome. He deserves that too, 100%. Yeah. Good on him. Jeez, so you, Ricky, Stewart's, Ricky Stewart's been sitting there with the smuggers look on his face right now. So your final leaderboard, Jack Whiten on 26, Clint Gutherson on 25, Nathan Cleary on 24. Jeez, that's close. Cameron Smith on 22. And there's a bit of a drop down to Luke Keary on 18. Sean Johnson on 18. He had a damn good chance if he hadn't got injured. Adam Reynolds, Jerome Luai, both on 17, with Ponga and Pappenhausen both on 16. Just so... Well done, I'm Jack com- Whiten. Just so I'm cl- completely transparent right now, um, there was something released about an hour and a half ago with the Dallium Player of the Year awards. What? Um, not points on Facebook. I didn't know it was true. I know there's no betting. Out, what? I turns know that there was, was no betting. Sorry, you go. Turns out it was 100% true. Oh, the results were leaked. About an hour oh, and a half ago. Far out. So I didn't know. Oh, look. Why you would you even that say that? Stuff? No, no, no. You see that stuff all the time every year. So you see people put that shit up as mocks, uh, like as a joke. Yeah. Um, I didn't take it seriously at the time. I picked my five eight my Dallium earlier today when Adam was messaging me. So I may have done like... it in a staff meeting. <laughs> but yeah, it's not like I, I, I went off that, but by the sounds of that point system, it was released about an hour and a half ago. Well, that doesn't look very good considering they suspended betting on the Dallium this year, um, based off the probe that they Craig did Bell on the leak from last year. And the fact that a lot of people made money on it. So this isn't a great look considering it popped out an hour and a half before. But for, for, for the first time, I think in quite a while, I don't have any disagreements with 95% of the positions. Um, I can see the justification for all of them, probably outside of um, Crichton and Stags, just for consistency, I'd say. But outside of that, I'm actually pretty happy with who they picked. Um, there were other players who were at the same level as these guys at some point through the year, but just didn't con- 
didn't continue it for the entire season. That's what these awards are about. Yeah, so turns out Daily Telegraph leaked it. Well, they need some people to read and listen to them. So <laughs> Buzz Rothfield should have retired 20 years ago, but I guess someone has to pay. Okay, so I'm just decks. scrolling through Facebook here and Instagram and all that jazz. Um, everyone's blowing up about it. About what? About uh, Jack Wyden. Really? Yep. Gufferson robbed, Cleary robbed. Um, who on earth picks this shit? He's been average at best. What a load of shit. I'm a fan of Wyden, but he's nowhere near the best in the NRL this year. Um, yeah. People, yeah, not happy about it. How, how did how the F did Guffo not score a point in round 20 and Luke Brooks score one? What a robbery, but well done to White and well done. Yeah, I can actually see... Oh, actually, no, no, wrong game. Yeah, well, Cleary... Oh, yeah. So, I didn't actually agree with Cleary being in the running as is. To be completely honest with the world, because he was knocked out of it at the start of the year for a reason. Yeah, it was off field. That was Doesn't matter. Argument. No, I'm just saying that was their argument. I, I get what they're arguing is, but something that could have potentially caused people's deaths. Um. Oh yeah, I I'm a bit mad about that one, but oh. Uh, I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a look here. Let's have a look. So, just looking up Jack White's stats for 2020. If you're a set to six, darling, uh, 52 points with 13 tries. 13 tries for a 5 8 in 20 games is pretty good. That's really good. That's better than most centers will score. Uh, 247 runs, um, 11 line breaks. Probably not as high as I expected there. 433 tackles, 65 tackle breaks out of that. That's huge. Uh, only over 10 penalties in 20 games. It's one every two games. Eight try assists, which is a bit lower, but considering he scored 13 tries, I guess that makes up for it. Five offloads. Line break assists, eight, 422, errors, 32. So fair few errors, but that's because he's getting his hands on the ball a lot more, I would assume. Um I'd say there's maybe a little bit of recency bias considering how well he finished the season. But in saying that, um, he put himself in the position to score those points. So, yeah. I, I, I think this year was the, um, I guess, the year where there, there were a few names in consideration rather than maybe just one or two. Oh, I do believe that Cleary had the better overall year. Um, I can see why people would jump on the, he should have won it. Um, I don't think robbed is the right word though. Considering that what he was, when it was, when, when it went behind closed doors after round 10, he was only three points behind the leader, which was Harry Grant at that stage. And the fact that both the others had chances to overtake him in the last round, but didn't score points. I didn't, Pay much attention to those last two games, considering that one was a belting. Oof. 
Gutherson yeah, and Cleary, and Gutherson and Cleary took out their positions, play, uh, awards. It's not like they had poor years. Um, I don't know. I I had literally no problem with it. And he, anyone who thinks he's played bad, like seriously, have a good look at yourself. He's played well all year. He's been consistent. And as I said, he, this is his second year in 5 8. That's, <laughs> that's a pretty big jump from fullback to 5 8. Yeah, that's a um, That's what, if, 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 if anyone's got an argument about Andrew Johns over um, Darren Lockyer, that everyone just turns around and goes, oh, but Darren Lockyer played two positions. So playing two positions and earning the Dally M at least one is a pretty fair achievement. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, that's uh, Dally M done for this completely weird and whack season. Uh, outside of any other news that's gone down, um, we did actually, there were actually two games over the weekend that we do need to cover. And the first you know what one actually they, annoys me. Sorry, just on the Dally M. Yeah. Why aren't they counting the best referee to you? Don't they? No. I have no idea. That's a pretty good. That point. should one hundred percent be in there. That seems like a massive oversight in the fact that they are such a huge part of their game. They they should be put, you know, definitely not on the same. Maybe not on the same level, but they should be, you know, what's the word? Appreciated. Yes. With an award. Like, come on. Uh, How much Queensland gets good luck? I just saw that pop up. Okay. So, as Adam said, there were two games this weekend. Me and Adam kind of got down to one of them. (laughs) So... Yeah, so what happened was um, Adam had a ticket and he was going to the people. One of the boys couldn't make it for justifiable reasons. Um, And he messaged me at, what, 6.30 in the morning going, hey, you keen for a ticket? And I went, yes. Um, I got out of work later than I thought I would. But we did, we made pretty good time. Oh yeah. Considering Jared considering was you sorry? Considering you were driving. Righto, ease up. I know <laughs> crashed about four times going through Brisbane. I don't know my way through Brisbane. Adam was very Jared, go right here, go left here. Wait, there's a car there. Dude, you're in a Ute. Be aggressive. Be be aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I know punch him in the face for saying that about twenty thousand times. Oh. Um but we got we got there. We parked in, in Brizzy in the city, and then how 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 long do you reckon we ran to, from Brizzy to from where we parked? You ran, I walked because I'm going through my ankle physio. Oh yeah, so, so you Adam got there walked. a bit earlier than I did, but anyway, it didn't make any difference by the time I got there because what happened with the ticketing system? Yeah, so the ticket, as everyone knows, ticket tech went down. Um, everyone was congregated outside, but but the thing about it is, by the time me and Adam got there, they just had the little gates open, 
Everyone was just flowing through. And then because the tickets weren't open, we couldn't actually know where our seating was. Mm. So me and Adam, while the game was on, spent, what do you reckon, about 10 minutes running around trying to figure it all out. By this um, time, Storm were already up 16-0. So, we actually had yeah, more so points than we that's, scored. That's why I mentioned that we kind of made it because we missed that blitz in the first... I actually had to watch it the next day. Yeah, me too. Because and it, because the game, we got there so... I think we got there 20 minutes into the game. By the time the game finished, because it was such a blowout, I think we left with about three minutes to go. Yeah, just to try and beat Because just to give you a heads up, it's about an hour and a... Hour to, Hour and a half drive from our house, um, well, my house to the stadium, and then another half hour at least for Jared. So, um, if we can beat yeah. beat him out by a couple of minutes, it makes a difference. Yeah. So, but the thing about it is, by the time we, you know, it, it didn't feel like the game. It felt like more time traveling, which it was, yeah. than actually watching it. But in saying that too, it was just an adventure. Yeah, with, <laughs> like, there's some good tunes on the way home. Bloody hell. Yeah, we Adam was trying to keep himself awake. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Adam kept getting really mad at me on the way down, on the way there because he kept kept thinking I was falling asleep on the way home. It's just checking his speedo or something. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, so, well, ah, uh, I I won't get too much into it, but I had the steering wheel above where the speedo is if I look straight at it. So because with my old job, I used to start at one a.m. in the morning and stuff like that. When you duck your head, it keeps you awake. Well, it keeps me awake anyway. So that's how I've got it. And every time I duck my head to check the speedo, Adam's like, stop falling asleep. I don't want to die. Cut it out. Oh, I'm hey, hey. I'm, um, I'm, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Where you're like really like, paranoid because I've fallen asleep driving once already. Yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway, so... there was a game on that we actually did kind of see. And even <laughs> though we got there and saw them up 16-0, they controlled every aspect of the game from then on anyway canberra threatened slightly but storm had this game on lockdown like the control they had the kicking they had the kick chase was brilliant the only thing i guess against the storm was when um canberra finally i think got their second or third set in the game and they got up melbourne's end they had melbourne scattered pretty quickly and they did score from it um they kind of threatened a little bit of a comeback, but it, it kind of felt like Penrith had more chances. And then you look no, at it and the score was... Melbourne. Sorry. No, no. no. Uh, to me, it felt like watching it, um, Canberra had more chances. And then you look at the score and like, they only scored 10 points and they were 50 yeah. minutes apart. I'll tell you one thing though. Um, me and Adam were at the Northern end. In a really good seat. Top, top left-hand corner. So, we had a very good view. In the f- second half... So, in the first half, we were watching Melbourne attack the line. In the yeah. second half, we are watching Canberra attack the line. Attempt to attack the line. This... This is... This unit... This podcast, me and Adam don't agree on a lot. <laughs> but the one thing we do agree on is Jordan Rapana... Is not a center. <laughs> is not a center. And He's that not... got proven. Oh, my Because we had a bird's God. eye view of him playing. So he was out of position. He blew, I think, two tries. Yeah. And he can't defend the save himself. Olin was this, like, 
Well, Olin doesn't actually change his facial expression. No. But that was the closest thing I've seen to him have a smile, on, you know, unless he scored a try. Just, like, looking at Rapana on the other side. Oh. It was just, oh. Like, just going back to what I said there, it felt like Canberra had more chances. And you look at the score of 30 to 10. How's this for a stat? Melbourne had 148 runs in 33 sets. Canberra had 180 runs. They had 32 more runs than Melbourne did of the ball. That's five sets, basically. Melbourne ran for more meters. Jared didn't even hear any of that. Yeah, I did. How do you have yeah. how do you have 32 more runs than the opposition and yet run for 70 less meters? Yeah, because Melbourne's defense and people it's nuts. People criticize this a lot, and um, Adam's touched on it a lot how Melbourne kind of condense in, winger drops back, and then they slide out as a squad as a one as a unit. squad. Yeah. Um and we, we saw that with Bunavalu and Adokar, yeah. Well, yeah, we got a great view of that on the weekend. Canberra didn't know how to handle it. Um, they were very slow to get the ball to the winger. And as I said, right in front of us, Rapana was making a lot of wrong choices with his pass selection, his movements and stuff. Um, and by that created time, enough opportunities to get caught. If you get the ball contract with half a chance, you'll get there. And he scored um, both their but, tries. Yeah, but it's none of Rapana's doing because he blew probably three of them just by poor, poor selection and it wasn't overly good defense from Melbourne. Their defense was mainly in the middle. Canberra making a lot of meters off their edges. Yes. Uh, Melbourne, uh, Canberra actually said it during the game because we're sitting there watching it. And I think Canberra, Melbourne were up 16 or 20 nil or 24 nil in the first half. And we looked down mm. and Papali was off the field. Yeah. And I actually said it on the day. If you can hold Canberra scoreless with until um, when Papali goes off the field in that 20 minute mark, you're doing a really good job because he's a lot, he's 90% of their go for it. You, you can tap and he's good, but he, he is, he is their number one go for guy. And that's what the Melbourne forwards came on to do. They shut him down, which shut Canberra down. And when yeah. he went off the field, as soon as I saw that, I was like, nah, Melbourne's got this now. And they weren't was... going to come back 20 points in Papali's second stint. No. And, and you look at, like, the... Um, let's bring it right up to the top here. So, halftime, it was 24-6. And you're like, Canberra have to start really well. Canberra kicks off. Kicks off. Melbourne catch it. Canberra get down there, tackle Melbourne back into the in goal off the mm. kickoff. And you're like, oh, Canberra's back in this. Literally two sets later, Melbourne deal with that. Two sets later, Melbourne kick the ball downfield at the end of one of their sets, get down the other end, pick up Canberra and tackle them back into the in goal. And you're like, all right, yeah. whatever you can do, we've got this too. And it's kind of, yeah. I, I was looking at this, like everyone talks about, if you can create second phase play, that's how you um, can trouble Melbourne. The offloads uh, Canberra's way were 20 to three. 20 offloads to three. Um, 
like they dominated some stats. Uh, neither team were really good at diffusing kicks. Uh, we'll say that. But the biggest, the biggest set, and you could see it, the fatigue of Canberra already in the first half after the big game the previous week, after Melbourne's start was the errors, 13 errors to four. And their completion rate was 71%. And I do remember that every time they were trying to get out of their, their end, they were just making mistakes. And, and you could see how much last week took out of them. Melbourne have had experience having the week off. They knew what to do. They had to come out fresh. They did. They looked clinical. Um, and we were on the side of the field, or the corner of the field where Cameron Smith came off. And as he walked around um, for what seemed like the last time at Suncorp, the fact that he was... I've seen him wave to uh, fans before as he walks around. He generally gets a standing ovation when, if he ever goes off in origin, if Queensland have won the game early. Um, I've seen him have that reaction, but the, it's the first time that I've seen him do a fist pump to himself, or albeit how brief it was, fist pump to himself that the job's done. Um, that was a different piece of body language that I've seen from Cameron Smith ever. And doesn't mean anything, though. Doesn't mean anything. He did take a while to walk around. I think he got the hurry up because he started into a bit of a jog. Uh, but he took time. Uh, there were sections of the crowd standing up. Canberra supporters were clapping as well. Not everyone, but they were. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll be pleased to be there if that was his last game at Suncorp, but... Man, just watching him run around and how well he's still playing. Oh. He's still the best hooker in the game. And and he's just he, he, so he efficient. Was just, yeah, that's that's his word. He doesn't use any excess energy. No. Um, and that's look, there's been everyone knows what Cam Smith is. Despite what you've been giving, he's the best player I've ever seen. And that includes and Newcastle supporter talking about him two jobs. Um one thing I did notice in this game was Ryan Pappenhausen. And I never picked this up before, but if you actually watch him play fullback, he lets the ball bounce more than any other fullback I've ever seen. He, he relies on his speed, and I think this is why he gets away with it, to change his direction for wherever the ball goes. So obviously these aren't, you know, the high bombs and um, the stuff that's contested. He does go for them. But the long kicks, he lets them bounce. And he let them bounce a lot on the weekend, which no one notices because, yes, he can catch up to the ball. But I was really surprised by it because he was letting a lot of stuff bounce on the ground where, Tedesco, Ponga, Travojevic would have caught him at full and gained that extra five metres. And it's super... I was like, oh, look at that. That's um, something different. So on the grand final, just watch Cleary kicking because Cleary's got a very good kicking game. Um, And see how many times Pappenhausen doesn't catch the football on a long kick. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, Yeah. For Ricky Stewart, obviously, we were at the game. We didn't get to watch the press conference. I didn't have time. It was a massive weekend in sport. He'd have to be hugely disappointed with how his team went out. They just looked... They looked cooked. Um, they, they had a brief spurt in the start of the second half, but 
Yeah, I, I think Melbourne just had more in the tank. Um, makes my call of the best chance of someone outside the top four winning the premiership because with Canberra going out, I was relying on South then and how the South um, Penrith game started. Uh, it was kind of how I called it. And this is the one that's going to be a shootout. So it was a try in the third, then a try in the seventh minute. And I was like, well, here we go. And then it kind of settled down and... Uh, Penrith had what they missed two, three opportunities in the first yeah. 15 minutes of the game. And you're like, is this nerves getting to them? Uh, the timing's a bit off. They've had the week off. Uh, Rabido shut down a couple with scrambling defense. And then after it kind of settled down after the early uh, try for try six, all Rabido's kind of got on top and, they were, they were continuing to be on top. And then Tyra May picked up a try kind of, I'm not going to say against the runner play. Um, no, sorry. I'm thinking of the second half. Sorry, my bad. Um, after the first kind of two tries, Penrith started clicking in the gear a bit more and you're like, all right, they might get on a bit of a roll here. They got a try through Tyrone May, who I've, uh, Ivan Cleary came out and said he put in the centers due to his defensive positioning and defensive ability on that edge over uh, Brent Naden, who came off the bench. Um, and clearly got the penalty goal in the 39th minute right for half time to go at half time at 14-6 up. And I'd say that South were in the game, considering how error-riddled this game was at the start, even though the intensity was up. Second half, this is when Rabideau's kind of looked on top of the game. And then Dylan Edwards try... Uh, in the 66th minute, kind of put it beyond doubt at that stage, I think. That got them up to the 20-point mark um, before uh, Corey Allen got a consolation try in the 72nd minute. Yeah, okay. So, Adam... Um, Adam explained that I think they had about three or four missed opportunities. They made a lot of line breaks, Pembroke did, um, which they didn't capitalise on at all. Pembroke, South Sydney was shot. Like their defensive line, their attack, they were were just looking horrible. Um, Phil Gould went for being out of a chuck of doily on top of the South Sydney uh, attack. Because they're so bunched up to being able to um, chuck a beer coaster on top of it. Mm. Just because of the fact that it was just so tired throughout this whole game. I I didn't see them as losing a step. I didn't see them as... Um, I don't know. How did you describe Pembroke not capitalizing on, on those opportunities um rusty <laughs> I, sorry rusty In i saw it as cocky oh um, uh... well look you gotta you look how this team is made and this is not have like well, kind of is but i'm not trying to have a go with it i just think that this is a warning for them when they come up against melbourne so They've won. They won. They came to this game when he's sixteen in a row. They've been dominant in previous games. When they've made a break, they've finished it off. 
this game, they seem to do all the hard work, get the line break, and just kind of think it was all going to happen. Like... I, I can I can get on with you on that one. I don't think cocky was the right word. I don't even think complacent would be the right word, but maybe expectant, like you said. Yeah. Um, everything like, that they've been this... doing in previous weeks that have been finishing in tries didn't finish in tries this game. Yeah, and... it just seemed like they were making a lot of breaks, which good on them. They were doing great with it. They were tearing apart, especially I think it was the South Sydney's right-hand side. They were just having fun with it. They were just ripping through it that easily. That's then they just out. like they're pushing passes. They were, um, you know, trying that little bit extra, whereas you know they shouldn't have, mm. which kind of annoyed me because this game should have been the same scoreline as a Storm Canberra game. They should have been that much more dominant. Um, South Sydney should not have got a sniff in this at all the way Penrith were playing, they were just running all over. And I think for a Penrith supporter, you'd be pissed off. You, you take the win, but you'd be like, come on, guys. You guys got to be better than this, mm. really. It was a lot of errors by the top team. Um, that's the only thing I saw. They, they were incredible. The, the thing about it, I was having to think about it because as soon as the game ended, I got a very nasty message. Not a nasty message. A message from a certain Pembroke supporter Hmm. criticizing me for me criticizing Pembroke. And I was having to think about it. And he said, you got to start showing Pembroke more respect. And I can't get my head around the quality of their team. I don't rate it that high. But what I do rate is the fact they're playing so well together. So individual players, I'm not overly impressed by, no, fussed about, if that makes sense. Like, I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's on, like, that kind of thing. I think the two the way they play together, so. I respect the shit out of it. So what's the old saying? You can have a champion and a team not be very good, but you can have a team. No, it's a team of champions, you might not be good, but a champion team, you're going to win. Yeah. Um, and that's what they are. They're, they're good together. But individually, like, I see other teams got these players that are really individual, brilliant players that I just think make the team better. Whereas this team, yeah, just kind of, I'm like, well, there's no individually brilliant players that are really good, but they seem to play well together, which is really good. Um, Oh, I'm going to go half with you there, half against. I'm just having a look at when we're talking about the errors made. You picked that up earlier. So Penrith, yeah, 13 errors to the Rabbitohs, 12. You make 13 errors in a grand final, you're not going to win. Um, especially against Melbourne. Yeah, especially against Melbourne. But like I said, it was a scrappy game. Like both, I think Penrith may have felt a little bit of pressure and they expected things to happen. Souths were very tired at times and um, they didn't have the best lead up with Campbell Graham. Uh, being ruled out as well. Jed Cartwright Which, playing in the centres. I was surprised I, Stephen Masters got cut in and yes. Jed Cartwright um, in the centres. That was odd. so. Cartwright didn't play in this. Didn't start in the centres. Cam Murray did. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Which uh, I was very surprised about. But I'll very touch odd on that call way. not bringing Stephen Masters yeah. in when you had the opportunity. Um, I actually I'll come back to the point. I'll just have a look again. One hundred ninety-eight runs 
by Rabbitoh, so 176 by Penrith, but Penrith topped the metres again, so similar to Canberra and Melbourne. Uh, 14 offloads to Rabbitoh, only four from the Panthers again. Quite odd. Um, I I always believe that, yeah, a team of champions will almost always lose to a champion team. And I'm looking at the 2003 grand final uh, as an example of that. So this is Penrith's last premiership win. You look through there, one to 17. There are a lot of good players without a lot of outstanding players. So you had your probably best credential player in that whole 17 by the end of their careers would be Luke Lewis. Uh, Ryan Girdler as well, actually. Um, but you're oh, like Reese up there as well. Yeah, Reese Wesser, good. Luke Luke Lewis, really good. Paul Fatawira, uh, Ryan Girdler, really good. Luke Rooney, uh, Preston Campbell, yeah, upper. Craig Gow, upper. Joel Clinton, Luke Prittis, Martin Lane, Joe Nullivale, Tony Pulitua, Scott Sattler, Ben Ross, Trent Waterhouse, Shane Rodney, Luke Swain. Like, good, solid players. Not Hall of Fame players. You look at the Sydney Roosters, Anthony Minicello, um, Brad Fittler, Craig Wing, Michael Crocker, Adrian Morley, Craig Fitzgibbon, Luke Rickardson. Like, you've got some pretty high-level names in there, but that Penrith Panthers team, I do remember uh, I was in year 10. They were one of the most enjoyable teams to watch that whole year. And Scott Sattler's tackle on Todd Byrne emphasised what that whole team was about. Everyone does their job and they do it well and they play well as a team. And this Penrith team has those same qualities. They play the best as a team, hence Ivan Cleary getting coach of the year. I don't believe they don't have any outstanding players. Cleary is an outstanding player. Kickout is working his way to being an outstanding player, similar to David Fafita. Both excellent talents, but still need consistency to be in that upper echelon like Atar Malolo. Um, how they played against the Rabbits will not beat Melbourne. They, 100%. they got themselves there, which was the first step. Um they can't expect things to happen against Melbourne. They need to make things happen. They need to make Melbourne feel uncomfortable. They've got the team. Psychology, I think, is probably the best word or the headspace with which to pull this off. But on the other side, I feel as though with Melbourne's experience, Craig Bellman's experience, et cetera, et cetera, they know what they need to do to shut Penrith down and, and the most effective weapons on Penrith down. Um, oh, I had another... I, I saw a tweet by some... I don't know. I can't remember his name. And, and I saw his point uh, of three quarters of the tweet before he got to the end and said it was all biased or whatever, some crap. But he did make a good point. South were missing Latrell Mitchell, Campbell Graham. I'm not really going to count James Roberts because I think the other guys have been more consistent than him anyway. Um, Jed Cartwright went off. Sorry, Sirenham went off. Um, Ken Murray was playing in the centres. It, it, and they'd come off uh, last week's win. Now, Penrith still have to beat the team that's in front of them. And they did. 
But I, I'm kind of with Jared. I was expecting, after how they'd started the game, I expected to see more out of them to finish the game off. Um, the upside is they did this in the prelim final. Ivan Clitter a damn good coach. He'll look at that. He'll have that fixed up for grand final. Uh, and still going to be a cracker of a game. Yeah, so you are right. They were missing a lot of players, but I don't, I don't think they'd ever use that excuse. Um, I think Cam Murray playing four different positions throughout the game had a wowzer. Uh, he was just... If he was in that middle, I think Penrith would have struggled a lot more, but he, he just had to, for some reason, just keep covering. I was really interested in Arden Cleary's decision as far as Brett Naden and Tyrone May. Um, so they were up against, were they up against Gay Guy or Cartwright? I think he was up against Cartwright. Um, I don't understand it. The fact that you swap your centre last minute onto the bench and didn't play him the entire game and bring in on a utility to play centre up against a replacement centre mm. in Cartwright. Well, it's, in, it's whether he knew in time that Campbell Graham would be out before he'd cut Stephen well, Masters. I'd have to go back and look at the timeline. Yeah, no, but it's still really interesting because I'm more leaning the fact because you got a out and out center, or you've got a fullback who was playing fullback in attack in their twenty. Mm. Um, Dylan Edwards was playing center, and Tyrone May was played as a third half in in. South Sydney's 20 is more of an attacking threat, which I completely understand. That's how you would use Tyrone, mate. But it's so weird that he took his centre off and didn't play him the entire game. Um, that's not a position you usually do that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, it'd be interesting when he names a team tomorrow to see if he's still playing because it also has come out that they haven't even talked about extending his contract beyond next year. As well. So I, I don't know how much you can look well, into it. I'm just having a look at Melbourne as well. Like um, on the weekend, on their game, like last week, we talked about how also their last game before this one, how they had the four on the bench. They didn't use one at all, and the other one was 10 minutes. Looking at this game, Brent Smith only played 30 minutes, Nico Hines played five. But that's different. Why? Because Nico Hines was named as your starting center. Yeah, he, I know, but and he hasn't a... been your starting. He's their starting center for the entire year, which Brent Hayden has. Yeah, that's true. So it's just a look. Ivan Clear is a coach, a coach of the year for a reason. He's won seventeen straight. But where does he see Brent Naden in his 17 where for a qualifying final for the grand final or prelim or whatever you want to call it, you drop your starting centre for a utility and don't play in the entire... So you, yes, they won the game with 17 men, but it's such a strange position to swap out. 
maybe he went for it because of um maybe because he knew what like Jed Cartwright bigger body size stronger runner that sort of stuff well maybe you, I don't for know. that reason you put Brett Naden because he's a better defender than Tyrone May no no he put Tyrone May in because he's a better defensive player than Brent Naden bigger bodied stronger player Tyrone May's the... bigger Tyrone May's smaller than Brent Naden I don't know I'm just going off what Ivan Cleary said yeah uh, no it's just I I, I I don't I think you're reading a bit too much into it. He, if he was I gonna, hope so. If he was gonna, if he was that concerned with, it, he wouldn't have even made the seventeen. I wouldn't be well, concerned. What if he about just it. has no one else? They've got plenty of other people. Well, not really. The only the only thing I can think of is they wanted to play. Brent he could have Hayden literally played. Up. He literally could have played Kurt Catewell there if he needed to. He's good enough to. Yeah, play no, it's, but he without kicker, he had to play second row. Yeah, they, they can cover a second row. No, look, maybe I am reading too much. I was just super surprised at the tactics of it. Um, also super surprised at the tactics of Wayne Bennett in moving his probably his biggest attacking threat. Yeah, I didn't understand what he was doing. With Cam Murray into four different positions or three different <laughs> positions because he played both sides centre, second row. Yeah, so three different positions. Whereas... You got to ask the question: If you had Murray in the middle, would Isaiah Yo have made that last break to put Dylan Edwards over? And would Damien Cook be as nullified as he was without Cam Murray in that middle? Um, nothing against Isaiah Yo. Is this? He was man. The try that he set up for yeah. Dylan Edwards for or out. That was it was sick. incredible. I, I give him that. But you got to ask the question: If Cam Murray was playing lock in the middle, would he have got there? Would he have been out of step, Cam Murray? Uh, who did he step? I forgot. Totola. Oh yeah, Totola. He was still on the ground. Just having a look at Tyrone May versus Brent Naden. Tyrone May is one centimeter taller. Um, oh really? Brent Naden's two kilos heavier. Oh, so it's pretty much exactly the same. So that that yeah. still kind of goes to my point then. There's yeah. no physical difference between the two. I'm That's very just, surprised. It's just a defensive reader. Defensive read. Anyway, so we've got Melbourne and Penrith in the grand final for next week. Um, outside of that, Queensland hopes just keep getting worse and worse. I just called for Corey Allen to get into the state of origin. He's accepted a one-match ban for a shoulder charge on Panther Josh Mansour. I don't think a fullback ever hitting a winger going for a try or whatever is a shoulder charge. But anyway, um, so there's another outside back for Queensland. They can't select for the first first round. Um, and James Tedesco has stayed in Sydney with his Roosters physio to overcome his knee issue before joining Blues Origin camp. He's still aiming, or he's hopeful for the origin opener. Brad Fittler's not concerned. As he said, they've got Gutherson and Pappenhausen if need be. And they'll give Tedesco as much time as possible. Um, outside of that, uh, Graham Annesley's come out and said that after the season's finished, there will be a review into the one ref and six again rule to see if they will be permanent fixtures moving forward. Uh, that's going to be interesting, especially to get players, coaches, opinions, all that sort of stuff on it. Hopefully they pick better referees rather than one. And if they're going to use one, we may be 
talking to someone who might be able to help us out about that in uh, the coming days, hopefully. Um, but pretty much until then, uh, we'll leave you guys at it. We'll come back to you again Thursday night, which will be Friday morning ahead of the last game of the 2020 NRL season being the grand final on Sunday uh, before we lead into the state of origin series, but also big news. The reason why Jared's ticket came up on Friday was because Kieran, my brother, has been on the pod before his wife went into labor Friday morning or Thursday morning. Sorry. Um, no, wait, I'm throwing I've lost track. It went for a fair amount of time, but they have a gorgeous baby girl, Verena. Um, I'm finally an uncle. My brothers have been uncles for two, four years now, and I finally get to be an uncle. So hopefully we'll be able to get down to see Kieran and Tash and their gorgeous little daughter soon. Um, so congratulations to Kieran on extending the Hoy family. And bring another gorgeous little girl into the world. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I love the name. She's adorable. Kieran sent me some pictures. And thanks, Tash. I got to go to the footy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going not trying to be a dick. That's just you don't have to try. Um... <laughs> nah. It was awesome. Um it sucked for Kieran that he, he missed the game, but I'm pretty sure he'd take that any day. He's going to be a great dad and yeah, good luck to him. Three and what would have been, yeah, cool. So we will leave it there, guys. We'll chat to you, like I said, Thursday morning. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Six Again. Connect with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and the Six Again website. All links via the show's bio. Be sure to check out Adam's craft beer choice of the week.